Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, it's the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. We are the independent voice of Fulham FC, your audio navigation beam guiding you down Wembley Way. And with the royal wedding fresh in the memory, it's apt that I have three kings of the Fulham broadcasting world. The Prince of Darkness, Dan Crawford. Hello, mate. A man who bloody loves the royal family, Jack Collins. Hello, business. <laughs> Jesus, Sam, I thought you were going to do that. <laughs> and the resident monk around here, it's Farrell Monk. <laughs> Wembley. How's everyone doing? <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't one of your better ones, I'm not going to lie to you. I did enjoy it, though, that's for sure. I did That's That's the main thing. Well, I, I liked it more because Jack didn't like it. Yeah, well, I, thought, I honestly, thought getting Jack angry was my job. Yeah. yeah, I know, I've already started him off. Did you enjoy the Royal Wedding? I don't know. Was it good? Megan, I, was at, I was at the races. Megan looked lovely. I was at the races. Did you win? Yeah, £170. The Irish Rover came in at 14 to 1 for me. Three course him, then. <laughs> the Irish Rover. The, the Irish Rover fully came in at Newbury. What Might call you that from now on. Yeah, well, I'll take that. <laughs> you looked like you were off to a Peaky Blinders tribute ceremony. I didn't wear the hat just in case that I fully did get the whole treatment. So <laughs> I didn't want anyone trying to start a fight with me. Uh, so welcome to the podcast today. Uh, we're going to be looking ahead uh, to Wembley. The excitement is in full flow. It's under five days until we disembark at Wembley Park and walk down uh, with a sellout Fulham crowd. Sounds good, doesn't it? It does sound good. 38,000 Fulham fans heading to northwest London. I don't think I've seen 38,000 Fulham fans cumulatively ever. What do you call a group like that? Do they have like a, a name? A gaggle. Yeah, a gaggle of Fulham fans. <laughs> a clapper of Fulhams. <laughs> <laughs> Legends. So yeah, we're going to be previewing all the excitement. We're also going to be speaking to Dan Bardell from the Villa View YouTube channel, which is a very well-known uh, Villa Behind platform. enemy lines. Yeah, exactly. So he's going to be coming to chat to us later, and we'll have a stack full of your questions as well at the end of the show. Uh, just to say that this season, Fulhamish is backed by Labrooks. For exclusive specials and promotions, head to bet.fulhamish.co.uk. It doesn't feel right not starting a podcast with three-word reviews, but we don't have any game to review. We no. should do a three-word review on the last podcast. Well, you can do one on the Royal Wedding. Oh, that American preacher. It was good. He was quite good. Yeah, I feel like he could do the team talk on Saturday. Yeah, I tweeted fly that. Fly out the box. Although he just needs to shorten it a little bit. It was maybe five minutes too long. Maybe as a radio man, I was thinking, get to the punchline and hit the tune. There's not enough sound bites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Wembley, not the Royal Wedding. Um, under five days till go. And um, how great is it that Fulham... Oh, I mean, at the time of speaking, there must be about like 50 tickets left. So I'm presuming by the time this podcast goes out... Dan, we will have filled Wembley and it's just going to be an amazing sight. It's going to be an amazing day and I just don't want the days in between. I just want it to be Saturday right now. I know, it's that sort of little kid before Christmas feeling, isn't it, really? Um, People of my generation, I I don't think expected Fulham to to ever go to Wembley. Um, Friends of mine boycotted the National Stadium waiting for Fulham to to get there and had to... I've heard of people doing this, but I've never actually met one. Yeah, my school friends had to suspend their boycott because it was taking too long, um, which, you know, didn't necessarily uh, speak for their perseverance. But no, the other thing as well is there was quite a lot of criticism about the the ticketing policy and um, how you manage selling all those tickets because I think we're we're all aware of you know Fulham's stature and the number of 
season ticket holders we we do have but to be able to to sell out sell out the tickets to go to to go to Wembley to have the experience is um is really quite something especially as you know going into that game against the second leg against Derby there was quite a lot of doubt around you know questions were being asked we'd lost two game two pivotal games it felt like in a row and you know people were waiting to see whether whether we could recover and we answered all the questions um so i think there's a there's a real air of optimism um, both around the club and around the, the fan base at the moment, and hopefully that gets everyone in, um, and we start off on the right foot on uh, on Saturday. Let's come on to the ticketing, Jack. Um, I think that some people were questioning the club's decision to give five tickets per season ticket holder per member. But as far as I can see, it's worked perfectly. Everyone's got a ticket that wants one, and it's sold out. So surely. Actually, for once, I believe the club's got to be, you know, complimented on what looks like quite a shrewd move. I'm not 100% sure it's worked perfectly, but I think it's worked well. I think that ultimately there's a, potentially a lot of people who wanted to be in the lower tier who are in the upper tier. And that's the only flaw that I can see with the system. The rest of it seemed to have worked, you know, a treat. And but then, you're there. Of course. And, and that's that's obviously amazing and it's obviously you know, fantastic for everyone. You know that not everyone's going to be happy with every situation, right? So there's, they had to do it some way. This was the way they chose, and it looks like it's worked out. You know, well enough that everyone who wants to be there is there, who you know can physically get there. And I think that you know you've got to give them credit where that's due. Maybe the answer would have been to be to do two per season ticket holder to begin with, and then open it up afterwards to you know a couple more tickets each. But you know, who am I to? advise the club on but we've sales got we've tactics. got we've got what we wanted which is a sellout but also just not in like a stupid time where some crazy situation a bit like hamburg where you know actual genuine season ticket holders missed out in uh, at hamburg and members missed out in hamburg but this time it feels a bit better because if, if you wanted a ticket and you were able to navigate Ticketmaster, which has to be the world's worst ticketing service um that you've got one yeah, um, I think the club have probably learned from the Hamburg situation, was, which was a bit of a farce, um, truth be told. And a lot of genuine, committed Fulham fans lost out on an amazing experience. Um, and one that's, you know, very, very likely to never happen again. But I think the, the I think Fulham themselves have, have got it right this time round to, to, you know, to the extent that they probably wanted to um you know there's going to be the odd exception but the odd exception out of 38,000 tickets that's 0.001 percent of, of of fans out there you are the accountant yes i, I, I did that quick maths in the head um please don't check my calculations um, big monk especially if you're Fowler's employer <laughs> yeah um but yeah you know it's going to be an amazing experience you know I can't believe that there are 38,000 Fulham fans out there who are going to be in attendance and um I'm looking forward to seeing all of you there yeah, where is the 38? I just It just feels a bit weird that when you have twice the amount of normal fans at a different stadium. Well, like maybe it's all those Brentford fans are, are so angry at us all the time. They're actually closet Fulham fans who changed sometime, you know, a few years ago. And now they've decided to come out and put their white shirt on instead. Wouldn't, nothing would surprise I really me. hope not. Um, <laughs> so I, think, I, think in, I think in all honesty, there's a, there's always been a generational spread of 
of Fulham fans, and we've 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 all uh, met people and know people who, through no fault of their own, have have lapsed maybe through family commitments or or, or whatever as they've got older. But you know, certainly in the sort of pre-Alfired era, the the football club lost a generation of of uh, match going. Uh, fans because we were playing at at a, at a much lower level than than we have been pretty much the last time we were we were in and around Wembley so you know. but it's not that appealing to a young kid is it to go watch uh, football at the same level as well, no I mean my 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 family and friends took me as a very young child and there are times it's felt like a life sentence I mean <laughs> so, you know so, times like Saturday make it all worthwhile don't they and Jack the uh, the hashtag white wall looks like it's in operation yeah at hashtag full volume no yes no <laughs> I'm glad I, that one didn't I'm glad I, that we've stopped using that am one, I allowed though. to speak up for the defence on that one no and no, <laughs> there is no defence it's, def- it's, it's like, indefensible I'm going to tweet from the account right now just saying full ha- volume hashtag full volume Jack's at full volume now yeah. talking about yeah. full volume yeah well it's you know it, whatever works I suppose whatever floats your boat but no it, it's good and obviously not everything be... is for your is for your enjoyment Jack you no, but it was just it was just the way that full voice works is so much better as a hashtag and as a phrase, right? Like, whoever is looking at these and going, there are four here, four options here, one of them is good and the rest of them are rubbish, what we should do is pick the rubbish one. I liked full volume. I know, you voted for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off the pod account without asking me. Um, oh, that's, that's what it comes down yeah, to, exactly. I see. You know. It's just Cammy went over your head. The, yeah, that's uh, basically what it is. Civil war. The Fulhamish <laughs> wars are in, are in full swing. Fulham-esque. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be uh, a rivalry that's going to be launching next season and with uh, Jack and Ben launching their own podcast, oh, no right. doubt. It's a sort of football weekly uh, yeah. divorce. Very much, here, yeah. very much. Sammy's Max Rushton. Yeah, it's very much on the cards. I'm keeping it's Dan, and I'm keeping war. Farrell. Okay. Um, well, let's have a child, <laughs> your child or something. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. It's custody. Uh, <laughs> we're getting away from the topic in hand here. Uh, on the pitch, Jack, yes. on Saturday. Now, the mind games seem to already have slightly started between ourselves and Villa. That's who we're playing in this final. We haven't even mentioned Aston Villa, I don't think, yet. Uh, in the last podcast, it was literally ha- we were recording as the game was going on, so we didn't know who we were going to be playing. Um, Hurrahan has been criticising our celebration. Steve Bruce hamming up the experience his squad have. It's going to be an interesting one, and I just see it completely as 50-50 between Fulham and Villa at the moment. I know the bookies have us as slight favourites, but it, honestly... It's, when do you ever trust a bookie? It's straight out. Well, you, you didn't on uh, Saturday. No, I, I rinsed the bookies. That's a different <laughs> relationship. I can't call it at the moment, though. No, it's um, it's, it's going to be a very tight game. Look, Aston Villa are a good side, and I think that nothing's going to take away from that. There's plenty to be said about Fulham celebrations and whatever, and I'm sure that everyone who you know fancied having their say has had their say. The truth is that you know not many Villa fans will have known that Fulham haven't been to, 40, to Wembley in 43 years. Why would they? And that is a completely different celebration to getting to the championship playoff final. And, and you know that needs to be reinforced amongst the Fulham faithful. We haven't done this job yet, and and there's there's plenty of work to do. But there's you know there's celebration to be had in us going to Wembley at all. So, you know the, there's two sides to that coin. And and to be fair to you know Conor Hurahan, why why would he know that? And and I suppose you know to an outsider looking in, it probably does look like we think we've already won the thing because you know that was a hell of a pitch invasion, and 
it goes it goes back to the whole thing you know when when it comes to it it's going to be on the pitch and i don't think the boys you know will think that they've got the job done i i can't see them you know going in the tunnel going well we've won this one so you know and that and no, but the ultimately that's in, all the, the celebrations in the dressing room were pretty mad yeah, uh, but you know we've we've we'd gone from everyone questioning us and, and being like, oh, we don't have the bottle. We lost a playoff semi-final last year, uh, and to, to a really really good result against you know a very resolute and well-drilled Derby side. And you know while they didn't offer very much going forward, they you know they they did play very well defensively for for long periods of both games. And you know we did eventually break them down, and, and we got what we deserved. And and there was cause for celebration. And to be fair to you know the players, they would have seen the entire stands empty onto the pitch. It's very hard not to get caught up in that, right? Like that's that's a real euphoric moment. And you know you looked at Betts and Dennis Adoy being carried off the pitch on fans' shoulders. That's you know you can't really blame them for for being excited in the celebrations. But look, don't you think there's two things here? There's a narrative clearly that some people want to start, and it suits Villa, I suppose, to yeah. to to talk up the idea of Fulham thinking they've they've won it, every, everything already, um, and and they've done the hard work. Um, Jack's already deconstructed why. Um, those celebrations were were particularly special, but also, you know, Fulham had the perfect manager for for a situation like this. You know, Jukanovic is somebody who won't won't settle for any sense of um, jubilation about that result anymore. He's very matter of fact. He's very rarely is he emotional in terms of how he prepares things, and he sh- he will have been straight away planning for the for the next big thing. And indeed, his his post-match interview struck that tone of of celebrating the big step forward that that Fulham had taken. And there's definitely something in that. You know, getting through the psychological hurdle of of a playoff semi-final is important, given that most of this team had that baggage uh, previously. Um, and then there's also the the other element about well, Steve Bruce is talking about his side's experience. And, you know, why wouldn't you? There are plenty of experienced players who've been in major finals. They've been in high-pressure games. Um, some of them have done plenty of other things as well um, throughout their football careers. Um, and if you have that advantage, you'll look to play it up. But this is a one-off game, and I actually think that this team is supremely confident. You know, you don't go 23 games unbeaten at the business end of the season and not retain some level of belief that that you can deliver on the on the big stage. And I think the Monday game against Derby will have reinvigorated that confidence. It would have taken a knock after Birmingham in the first Derby game. I think that's undoubtable. But I I reckon that the win on Monday it must have felt so euphoric at the end, and and they did such a job over Derby, and and did what very few playoff sides ever do is overturning a first leg deficit. Do you reckon that confidence? I certainly do. I, do you reckon that confidence is back up to where it was? Uh, absolutely, 100%. Uh, there was definitely talk after the Birmingham and then subsequently the Derby away game um, in the semi-final uh, that you know the fans and certain media people were saying that Fulham have Fulham have fucked it basically, and uh, you know the the uh, you know confidence was starting to to wane. Um, but, you know, it's easy to say things like that. It's easy to say things that the confidence is going. It's easy to say that Fulham are bottling it. And these Fulham players have risen to it emphatically. That 
home game was one of the best Fulham performances I've seen for a long, long, long time. Like, it's much better than any one from the 23 unbeaten games, pretty much. And they completely blew out a confident Derby team. You know, this was a Derby team that, that, that people were saying that they had bottled it and they weren't even going to get the playoffs. And there they were, they got three wins from the last four or something like that, and then they safely were in the playoffs. And they were playing well, but then we just completely blew them out of the water. And so now I feel like Fulham are in one of the best positions they they have been to to get through the playoffs now. And Dan is quite right about we've now we've got the best manager that wouldn't let any sort of performances slip. Um, especially since when you look at Fulham over the past eighteen months or so, you know we might have had one bad performance, but usually the one after that is usually so much better. Um, what kind of lineup? changes if any do we expect to see on Saturday camera got the nod against Derby and was effective to a point Uh, some people were really praising his performance on Monday and whilst I thought it was good and I and I saw completely why Jukanovic chose him I personally don't think he's the right person to start in a Wembley final no What's the feeling? I can't see him, though, making any other changes other than to that right-wing position. No, I think that's the only only place. We've actually got a question in later on, which was just like, when you discuss the eleven for the final, can you just talk about right-wing? Yeah, well, um, let's do it now, then. So, I, I suppose, yeah, I mean, I'd be starting Floyd Aite. That, I think that would be the sensible shout, the, the one that Jokanovic is probably most likely to go with, I think. Uh, and, you know, he... And potentially rightly so. I, I think that camera did a job to a point on Monday the same as you I thought he was good without being you know exceptional uh, I thought he took the game to Derby in a way that no one else potentially would but I can't see that same kind of bullish aggression working on the likes of Alan Hutton who you know while he you know lacks certain elements to his game it is more than capable of of defending at this level and I think that it's going to take someone with a little bit more guile and panache to, to really get round the likes of Hutton. Uh, and so I wouldn't start Kamara. Oh, look, I, I can't, we can't downgrade Kamara's performance to, on, on Monday to just good. He was outstanding. There was Apart a, from when he decided a, to miss well, an open goal. Well, look, look. There, there. We also have to, and I, and I think it's important. I think it's, I think it's important um, when we're speaking about players. We also have to take take a barometer of his progress, um, which is. I'm not, no one's saying he hasn't improved. No one's doing that. No, no. But I, I'm saying that you need to, that we need to um, evaluate how important he is to the to the squad and to the side. And in a problem position for us, which I think this is the only problem position remaining, Mm -hmm. which is a great position to be in going into a crucial game, but you can look at all of the options who could possibly play on the right. Piazon, Cabano, Oite and Kamara. And none of them probably is a 100% choice. You've forgotten Shea Yojo, Dan. Because, well, okay, Shea Yojo, yes, of course. Um, (laughs) But... But specifically on Kamara, I thought he gave us something um, that Derby didn't like in terms of direct physical play, pace and aggression, and he really unsettled them. Now, Jack might well be right in saying that Alan Hutton is a big game player, he's experienced, and the same the same trick might not work twice. Well, I'm thinking but if I'm... he managed to Dharma Traore so well against Middlesbrough, I feel like Abubakar Kamara isn't going to be much cop. Well, I, I, I think that's exceptionally harsh on somebody who's who's 
not just in the, in the derby game but also against Sunderland changed pivotal games for us I, you know and I, I feel like he's the best option at this point because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ayute I am and I know Yukanovic is but I'm struggling for the last time that that Floyd decisively changed the game recently now he's obviously been had some injury problems um, and every, uh, and everything like that but it's one of those picks that is going to be an instinct choice or a choice to, to, to work to a plan but I felt like Kamara was excellent on, on, on Monday night and we, we shouldn't detract from from that excellence I this is going to sound like I'm doing this on purpose but um, I'm going to sit myself right in the middle here I'm going to put that ass right on that fence and say Yes, I understand that Abubakar Kamara has uh, has definite drawbacks, and I certainly understand that that Abubakar Kamara did very well in those couple of games. Uh, you know, I do have to say though that yes, he did do very well, but maybe it's because we didn't really expect much from him when he did come. Certain up. members of this podcast never expected much from Kamara. That's true. Yeah, and yeah. he did. He has done. A, he has done a good job when when needed and that's what you want from these squad these squad players it's great that we have this you know battle for places you know we have that depth now you know perhaps you're talking about 100% he's he's outstanding but maybe it's for the right wing position you know I've got a 33.3 recurring of course per- percent chance that's my <laughs> nod to my boy Leroy Jenkins uh, um, <laughs> Leroy <laughs> <laughs> he does play a bit like Leroy Jenkins after all yeah but, uh, he you does know. That's, that's a spot on analogy I like that a lot I would actually love for him to b- bomb down the wing just shouting, shouting Leroy Jenkins and then afterwards goes at least I have chicken yeah um, but yeah between you know between like Aite Tapiazon and Kamara um, and Ojo and to be honest <laughs> Ojo's on minus um, Ojo uh, you know it's great, you know. It's great that we have these these this squad depth at the moment, and I wouldn't be surprised if Slavica picks either one of them. I, I think that's reasonable. I'd also like to put on record that I think that Abubakar Kamara has come on leaps and bounds in a Fulham shirt. Yes. So let, let's let's put that straight to begin with. The problem is that, like, basically, you think about who's going to be playing left wing for Villa, and if you think about the way that Villa play, what they do is they play a domer on the left. And what he does is he drifts inside and gives space to Jack Grealish, and Jack Grealish overlaps down the left. What I think we need is a player with a higher defensive work Discipline. rate, yeah. and not who's going to not who's going to you know bull in a china shop his way all over Adoma and and Grealish because I think that Kamara will just pick up cards. And well, do you know as we saw in Birmingham, as we saw in Birmingham, when Kamara picks up cards, he becomes immediately less useful. Because the physical side of his game is so much more reduced. So, so as I totally soon as he understand. Got a card, I was so scared he was just going to yeah. immediately get sent off. Well, look, and I, and I totally understand that that argument. But there are two ways of playing this tactically. Yeah. One is that you play a very offensive option at right wing to try and force the Villa left side to to be more defensive and try and take some of that um, attacking prowess and threat from from Adoma. Um, Grealish and, and Hutton if he goes forward or out of the equation to put them on the back foot or you introduce somebody like Kamara after 60 minutes or a Cabano after 60 minutes yeah. to try and you stretch know, him to, yeah, to, yeah. To, to make more use of the open, the open spaces that are going to be there on a big Wembley pitch yeah it's a, it's a massive Wembley pitch and I do think that actually has a factor here you know, Fulham do play well in the tight spaces. We're not really a massively counter-attacking team where the big pitch... That's why, you know, Craven Cottage has been so good for us uh, this season, um, or at least the second two-thirds of it. Um, and I think that Kamara does really well when he sort of bund- 
bundling through. Um, Can you stop dealing in such complicated fractions? Here? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's driving me nuts. Spot, like, spot the accountant. Yeah. Some of us barely passed GCSE maths, Farrell. Yeah, Come it would have been great in the past seven twelfths of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Two thirds. It's Christ. hardly a complex fraction, <laughs> yeah. is it? Like? Speak for yourself, lads. <laughs> yeah. I need an abacus in here. <laughs> well, it's just blown my point right at the uh, Yeah, so there's a big pitch. It's going to be good for fast players. Done. But do you know, but I understand what you're saying, that like the, the tight confines of, of Craven Cottage are difficult for oppositions to adjust to, and also we're expert at exploiting them. But I do think if it's a bigger pitch with a well-organised Villa defence, but they are quite slow... You look at you look at their back four, and it's not exactly the fastest uh, defence assembled. Could people like Cessignon, whoever plays wide right, if say it's a straight choice between Kamara and Aite, neither of those are, are, are slouches, and they could get behind a, a Villa. You you, you saw Villa you saw the last few games, uh, well Derby and Birmingham in particular. They didn't have particularly fast players, but they caught us quite a number of occasions on the counter attack. Mm. You don't need particularly quick players, but you need clever players. Yeah. And Derby did something quite interesting, especially on the breakdown, in both the games, where as soon as they won the ball, both fullbacks and both wingers immediately sprang to try and get. And they weren't, they're not playing particularly fast players. They're just smart and they're tactically switched on. It might be something a villain might want yeah, to. I think, I think a lot of that is because we push our own fullbacks so far yeah. forward yeah. as well. Absolutely. It's the way to get at this, isn't it? Mm. It's our weak spot. That if we're going to attack with fullbacks, sometimes you leave yourself way too exposed. Well, think about last year when we had Scott Malone there and all you needed to do to get round Fulham was ping a ball over the head of the left back yeah. every <laughs> single time. Every, I'm pretty sure we can see 70% of our goals from pinging the ball over the head of the left back. So, you know, it's, it's been a weak spot for a while. And, and while Matty Target has improved us defensively and, and while Ryan Fredericks is a very much a capable defender, their strengths are both offensive. And, you know, in, in the final third, that's where they've been, where they've proved themselves this year. And the reason that they've been, you know, so highly regarded is because of their work in the opposition half, not in our own. And, and when, you, when you think about it like that, with players, you know, that Villa have got and w- they will look to use, that's, you know, how they're going to play. It, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be dangerous and, and we do have to, be wary of the threat they pose on the counter well let's uh, in a moment hear from dan bardell who runs the villa view youtube channel uh, it's a really great channel and if you do have any uh, villa mates not that you should be talking to them on this week of all weeks uh, but definitely would recommend uh, their youtube channel if you're not aware of it already uh, we're going to be speaking to him after a quick break She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only loved him remember Target. I'm sorry. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Farrell Monk. Hello there. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And Dan Crawford. Hello, mate. We've been joined by the enemy. <laughs> They've entered the studio. We're fraternising. Exactly. <laughs> Dan Bardell from the Villa View. He's here to tell us everything uh, about the opposition on Saturday. Dan, how you doing, mate? I'm pr- pretty good. I probably won't be following your uh, podcast come <laughs> the weekend if we don't get anything <laughs> game. But it's, it's nice to see you now, although I hope I don't see too much of you at the weekend. <laughs> um, Dan, obviously it's been billed as the final of experience versus no experience. Villa have got a lot of players that have been to Wembley, done it before. How much of an impact is that going to have on Saturday, do you think? I think it helps, but then I also think that, that there's pluses that you've got on your side that perhaps we don't have. I think 
I, I feel like you're going there with, with less pressure on you than, than we are. I, I know it sounds stupid considering you finished third, we we finished fourth, but I just think even last season, I think the expectation from from the owner was that we'd probably go up at the first time of asking. So that that hasn't happened. Bruce has been given some leeway. He wasn't obviously there at the start of last season, so we've we've overspent. I think over the last the last two seasons so if, if we don't go up I think the ramifications would be quite big but then off, off uh, away from this podcast booth you guys are saying saying the same kind of thing I, I didn't realise it was that kind of situation for Fulham if I'm being honest I think it's a little bit different in terms of us getting to Wembley was obviously such a massive you know achievement for us and, and a lot of the a lot of the talk around being like oh Fulham invaded the pitch after get winning a semi-final it was a lot of premature kind of chat but going to Wembley for the first time in 43 years was massive for us but you know in these big game experiences you need players to step up and you know there are plenty of players in this Villa team that can can do damage to Fulham and, and who do you think is going to be you know key if Villa are to succeed on on Saturday? I mean everything good that we do really comes from comes from Jack Grealish he's obviously had his troubles off the pitch but over the last year really he's he's matured and he he's a Premier League player playing playing the championship in my opinion Villa hasn't been a great place to grow up for him we've always been in turmoil since he's been around the first team squad to be fair so when he plays well we, we tend to click the games against Wolves you probably saw when we beat them 4-1 4-1 he was he was unplayable that day so for me if, if he plays well we'll stand a good chance but then you've got a young kid that if he plays well will find it very difficult to stop him and you'll probably have a good day yeah 100% yeah uh, good that you mentioned Jack Grealish because you know he is the focal point of the team and if you use the Fulham example he he, he wasn't playing again, uh, in that game at Craven Cottage no, and, big miss. and it was a big miss for Villa although Fulham played really well Villa didn't really offer a great deal because uh, a couple of their, their main main men were out speaking of which they're all available on Saturday um, and how do you see Aston Villa setting up? Are they going to switch it around a little bit? I wouldn't have thought there'd be too much change from what we saw in, in the Middlesbrough games. I don't know how, I don't know how much you, you saw of that, but basically, whichever wing Adama Traore was, play, was playing on, Alan Hutton seemed to swap with the other full-back and, and Mark him. He did a good job, to be fair. I've not always been his biggest fan, but in the Championship for us, he's actually been very, very good. So I think I think the team kind of picks itself. I think the only the only place that would be up in the air would be that defensive midfield role because we've got Yednak, Whelan, and Bjarnason that, that can play there. But the way Yednak played in the semi-finals and obviously he was the, the decisive element with the goal, I, I can't see us changing anything. And we've got a couple of other strikers as well. But Graben's been so good since he's since he's been on loan, and obviously you guys know all about the impact of a loan striker. Can make. No, I can't, I can't see it. I can't, I can't see anyone <laughs> else replacing replacing him. So I think our team picks itself. I'd be surprised if there was any changes. You talked a little bit before Dan about uh, Villa being a difficult place for for Grealish to to grow into his role and the lack of stability at the, at the club for yeah. for some time. How do you feel uh, looking at Steve Bruce's reign? Because some of the football is not necessarily um, the best to watch. He's copped a bit of criticism. Um, for for some of the style, but it but it seems to work. How, how do you feel Bruce has done in terms of the job with Villa for the moment? I think we've slightly underachieved. I think at a, at a point we were right up there for automatic promotion with you with you guys, and we had a we had a really bad run after we beat Wolves four one, which was unexplainable, really. So so we fell away. But I think you don't realise actually the stuff he's probably had to deal with off the pitch. Like you say, we we were always a club in turmoil he's had to come in and the most important thing I think Bruce has done is he's got the dressing room right we've got some good characters 
in there now and that, and that helps the likes of Grealish I don't mean you won't be his biggest fan but someone like John Terry coming in the dressing room and putting his arm around Jack Grealish has really helped him and the football's not, not always great but in the main it's been effective if you finish fourth you've had a decent season haven't you you've obviously won a lot of games so I think he does cop a lot of unfair criticism to be honest but he's done pretty much what I would have expected him to do but it's just we were so close at that one point you, you can't help but feel it was a slight missed opportunity not going up automatically but then you guys have, have had the same kind of thing it's, I, I did love the interview that John Terry did with Jack Grealish after the Middlesbrough game yeah Jack Grealish almost looked starstruck. He almost like looked like he couldn't believe who he was stood next to, which I found mad because like, well, you've trained day in, day out with this guy, but he obviously really, really, really respects what John has done. And as much, yeah, as you say, we can't stand the bloke, but we can certainly see what leadership qualities he brings into the side. Has there been an expectation though from Villa that you're too big for this league? Is there a feeling, you know, Leeds had it for years and years and they still believe that they're too big for the championship. It's a huge club. They're wrong. <laughs> huge history. Uh, you briefly mentioned at the start the expectation that the fans have. What kind of impact might that have on the players on Saturday? Could it go one of two ways? Yeah, I think sometimes the Villa fans can be a little impatient. There is, there is a minority at the club. For example, if we were to, if we were to go up, if we were to not finish top half, in the first season, you'd have fans moaning. But realistically, if you, if you go up and you finish 17th in your first season back, I'd say that's a success. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who you are. Obviously, we've, we've got a history, but we're down there for a reason because we were an, an absolute mess. I mean, you look at what's happened to Sunderland. I think if Dr Tony hadn't come in, that could have quite easily been us because we, we were in, in absolute disarray. A lot of bad decisions have been made under under the last ownership so when things are, aren't going right there is that slight element of Villa fans that will get on the fans back and if we go behind on Saturday that that could well happen but in the main I think a lot of Villa fans have embraced the championship it's been a chance to, to win games again which was something we weren't very good good at towards the back end of our time we know in, you in, feel, yeah, yeah. in the Premier League so it's, it's been refreshing from, from that point but I'm of the feeling now I just want to get out get out this league I've, I've enjoyed it it's been good for us I think but really the Premier League's where it's at yeah I've got to totally echo that you know I think if Fulham don't go up this year it will be very very disappointing as 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 with Villa and you know when it comes on the day one one team's going to be delighted and other, other, the other team is going to be distraught and I think a lot of Fulham fans are now starting to starting to get a little bit sick of the of the championship how many games there are and how many how yeah. much how much traveling there is to do Aston Villa as well as Fulham had like a good stint in the Premier League obviously not to the same extent but you know 13 years in the Premier League is an, is an amazing stint and Villa were there for God knows how many years yeah. um, so I can totally echo that um, and looking at the game on Saturday do you do you think that Villa would go there and um, try and play their football or will they? do you think they'll change their tactics slightly to to stifle Fulham a bit I think you'll see a mixture we are we are very good Defensively, into, I don't want to keep harping on and alienate myself by going on about John Terry, but he ha- he has made a, a massive difference. He's been even better than I than I thought he was going to be. You, you saw him towards the end of his Chelsea career, and you thought he, he's finished. But realistically, he's he's had one bad injury, but the rest of the time he, he he's been playing. So I think defensively we are solid, and we tried to see out the games against Middlesbrough, and we did that quite effectively. I, I wouldn't want us to do that against you because I think you would. I think you're better going forward. I think you would you would break us down, and I think we, we we struggle when we're behind. I think we've only won twice from behind 
all season. So there, there is that worry if we go behind. Really? Yeah, we've only won twice from behind all season, I, b- I believe. That's, that's an amazing stat, yeah, so considering a, how so, high they are in the league. Yeah. Actually, Fulham can't be that much, though, considering that we just never went behind for the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah and in but, the first half of the season when we went behind, we lost. Yeah. yeah. We got we scraped quite a few draws from going behind early doors in the season. I can think of maybe Barnsley away in January, but actually... Yeah, we're not exactly great at uh, coming from behind to try and nick a win either. First goal wins then. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> That's I like a touch lot from the... the Roy Hodgson era because yeah. everyone said like uh, after he'd left, it was like because then Mark Hughes came in and we got quite a lot of like equalizers and late winners. And I was like Roy, Roy's team, we never did that, but we hardly ever went behind. Yeah. Early, we never sort of came, we never needed to come back. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to touch back on what you said about Alan Hutton and Adama Traore in that leg because I thought that you were right and that Hutton managed him absolutely fantastically and did do that thing where he switched wings. Yeah. What I kind of think about in in that regard is is he going to try and stifle Sessignon or is he going to try and cover you know Ryan Fredericks' burst down the right? And, and it's something that I was interested in. Was James Bree on the other wing, wasn't it? Yeah, we suffered with left backs yeah, yeah. in that we don't really have one well in terms of all it is is just that Borough have one massive threat on one wing and you yeah. were able to contain him by putting a defender who was able to stifle him on him but Fulham like are good at both wings the wing play is something that over the course of the season we've been very good at and do you think that that's going to cause problems Villa or how, how do you see them kind of watching that kind of overload that we do down both sides in you know especially if you know, it's, it's one it's one thing having Stuart Downing on there, who's going to just whip crosses in. Yeah. It's another thing having three or different players that can bounce around the outside and try and pull the ball back. Yeah, I think that's the the thing that worries me most about Fulham. I think you've got a bit more pace and, and guile than we've got. And as you say, you play a lot down the wings. Fredericks is a is a very good player. He he's like the Championship Carl Walker. Oh, I think he gets around the outside fantastically. And you, you've got Ayete or is it Camera who play plays it, it down the depends. right flank. <laughs> yeah, really does. I'd just leave leave as is. I'd keep putting at left back. That's where he's played all season. And if El Mohamed is fit, which which he should be, I'd keep him up against Sessegnon. I don't, I don't think there's the need to change it for this one because, as you say, I just think both flanks are dangerous. It's just Sessegnon that gets the plaudits, obviously, because he is incredible. That said, though, uh, when at the game at the Cottage, Axel Twanzebe absolutely pocketed yeah. Sessegnon yeah, for most did. of the game. And he's is he injured? He's been in, he's been very stop start. Very... It's one of the few games he started. Yeah, and he, he was he was our best player that day. I mean, we didn't we didn't play, play well at all that day. You completely deserved to win. We obviously had a couple of players missing, as you alluded to earlier, and and that, and that cost us. But yeah, I, I don't think there's a need to change it. Amazing assist from Sam Johnson, though. Oh god! <laughs> he, again, he's been, he's had a he's had a great season. That's, That's probably the same. only thing he's done wrong all season. He's a lucky he's a lucky man to be playing though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, we got away with one there. I don't understand how the red ref doesn't give a red there. It's literally Not like the first... <laughs> I think he still would have won. I think but... we'd have held on because yeah. we were just so resolute the whole game, but it was a baffling decision. That I mean, I was about to say that the officiating at this level is really poor. It's yeah. one of the reasons <laughs> I want to get back into the Premier League, but my then my dean's a Premier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's the atmosphere going to be like from the Villa fans on Saturday? I think I mean you're going to sell it out yeah, because it's it, coming it, to the end of, it, end of the line. It's now. Aston Villa, and you've clearly got enough fans to fill your section. Looks like Fulham have sold it out, and yeah. I was looking actually back through some of the playoff finals from the past year, past few years. They rarely sell out. Like last year was uh, seventy six thousand in attendance. So you you're, you're estimating that it's going to be close to, if not the full ninety thousand on Saturday. You've been to Wembley a couple of times in the past. 
uh, one very good trip against Liverpool yeah. in the, when you won in the semi-finals and then a pretty harrowing day out against Arsenal in the FA Cup finals. So you've probably got mixed emotions of Wembley. Yeah, I've got good memories from the from the old Wembley because obviously we won the Coca-Cola Cup as it was called then in 94 and 96. But the, the new Wembley has been, I think I've seen us lose there more than I've seen us win. I think I've only seen, seen us win there once. It's a horrible place when you lose, but the fact that it, what's at stake... I think it's arguably our, our biggest game ever. And if we lose, I cannot imagine what it's going to feel like. I've, I've been speaking to fans of other teams. If you win, it, it's the absolute best way to go up. But lo- losing is absolutely unthinkable just because of the ramifications of, of next season. But I think we'll have a we'll have a great atmosphere. The, the past two times I've been to the new Wembley, the atmosphere's been unbelievable. I mean, bear in mind, we got lost 4-0 to Arsenal and Santi Carzola probably could have been playing on his own and we still would have lost <laughs> yeah. the atmosphere was still was still pretty good but yeah it'll be it'll be a bouncing atmosphere on Saturday Villa fans will be up in London early singing their hearts out and, and hoping for the best clappers not required no I don't think we don't think we do I don't think we do the clappers <laughs> we played Birmingham earlier on in the season and they had clappers for, for their game at, uh, at their ground and for, for some reason the design team they looked like they were claret and blue which was a, a, big, a, big, a big faux pas from our rivals but while well, I'm here I just wanted to ask you about how you feel because you're obviously so close to going up and all, all you had to do was beat Birmingham on the, on the last day do you, do you look back with regrets or are you still just excited at going to Wembley? In a, in a weird way, yes, I, yes and no. I think the the way I now I've taken stock of it over the past few weeks, I feel like it was just an absolute, you know, it, it was it was amazing the fact that we were in touching distance of of promotion because you go back even just two months ago, three months ago, the automatic yeah. promotion was such a distant thought. Like it, you know, to actually, you know, we would have been hands off to be in the playoffs, let alone going for automatic promotion. The manner of it, I can totally understand it that it was really disappointing. But now you look back on it, and we would look back on this season with such pride yeah. that the Birmingham game, we don't even think about. I, I think of that Birmingham weekend as such a, a magnificent weekend, just the feeling around around it. In yes, because you got pissed for three days straight. <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> there were parts of it that might have been a little bit of a blur, but, you know, it was a great weekend for, for the fans. It was a great weekend for, for me and my friends and my family to be up there having a great time. And the weather was glorious as well. Yeah. So I just remember it as a great weekend. Okay. Also, the one thing that, especially the line I've been peddling, is I still believe... Tin hat. Tin hat on. Okay. I still believe <laughs> that the Cardiff result was a direct result of the fact we were losing. I still oh, okay. think it, I still think if Cardiff had to score a goal against Reading in 45 minutes, uh, who would have been safe if we were winning, then they might have found a way. I mean, they were literally playing for a draw. Doesn't disguise the fact that we went to Birmingham and lost, but it's it, it's one of those that I've debated quite heavily, and the others have kind of rolled their eyes every time okay. I said it. But I don't know. I think um, you've had to work very hard as as Fulham fans to excise uh, that memory from from your memory bank in a way because I totally agree with what what Farrell's saying that the the incredible unbeaten run was extraordinary and probably something that Fulham fans won't see again yeah um given the not just the results but the quality of uh, of football that was that was on display but it was so close and you know obviously blues were playing for something as well um which added to to the occasion um if you like but I think the positive you take from it is going from a situation where you were so close to automatic promotion to so quickly after that the players having to get over that disappointment and win 
uh, win a semi-final, which immediately they didn't do. You know, we didn't yeah. perform as well in the first leg against Derby, but they showed plenty of character to to and resolve to to get to, to Saturday's game. So. I don't know. I think if we don't go up, you'll always be asking yourself those those questions. Um, but I think just to be in that position is is uh, is really important. And there'll be um, there'll be some some strong memories to draw on uh, in the, for the players in the run up to to Saturday. Dan, just wanted to quickly get your thoughts on maybe a, a bit of a prediction. I don't want to get you just to do an exact score prediction, but just how you think it might go on Saturday the recent results between Fulham and Villa I'll only, I'll only take the championship ones I think yeah. we can discount the ones that happened in the Premier League which were quite a while ago it's a very strong base. basically both teams have won their home games yeah. uh, and both times fairly convincingly we were very poor when we went to Villa Park uh, this season and, and as you alluded to uh, it was certainly far from your best game when you came to the cottage so it seems like there's not a lot to separate these two sides at all. Do you think that's going to end up in it being a cagey affair? I, I can't see it being a real open one with goals at either end flowing in. No, I mean, I probably shouldn't be saying this because it'll come back and bite me, but we we don't ship many goals. I can't remember many games where we would have conceded more than two this season. So from that, that point of view, I think you'll score. I think, I think you're bound to score. I think you're too good not to score, but... I genuinely do think it's 50-50. I can't, I can't separate the two teams because I think you've got stuff going for you that's a positive and I think I think we've got the same. So I think it'll only be the odd goal in it and I'm just hoping that our, our experience carries us through. I, I think you can be got out. From, from what I've seen of, of Fulham, you're very, very good. You're a better football inside than, than, than we are and I thought that last season as well when we, when we beat you 1-0 and your keeper made a mistake. But from what I've seen, and I don't know whether this is a common occurrence, I do feel like you overplay a bit, a bit at times, and, and against us, that that has got you got you in trouble. I mean, mm. I, I just scored the season season before this one. Yeah, scored from a, a goalkeeping mistake because I think you were overplaying, and I think I I felt like you were doing that all game. I think Adoy, I don't think is the best centre back in the world. I know he scored your winner, Denny, the, the other day, but I think he I think he can be he can be got at. Whereas I, I don't feel like our defence can can be got at as much when when they're all they're all at it. I mean, you you see him more than me, so you'll know. Mm. I'm basing it purely on. Championship highlights in the main, and when I've seen you play us, but I do think it will be tight. It's a bit of a weird one, our, uh, some of our centre backs, because you know, admittedly, they're not the best defenders in the world, especially Dennis. I mean, he is pretty good; yeah. he's not there by accident. But he, I feel like, with the playing football side of things, he brings so much to the team around that. The same with Tim Ream. Oh, Tim Ream's very good. I've yeah. been impressed by him every time uh, I've seen Fulham. He's very good. He, yeah, it's. I think that's what Slavisa really likes, that the ball-playing centre-backs just bring everything to the team. You're not just there to keep the goals out. You're actually there to provide something, some sort of attacking nous as well. Yeah. Go on then, Dan. Call it. <laughs> come on. I can't come on here and, and predict <laughs> anything other than, than a Villa win. <laughs> and I'll, I'll Extra time, normal time, penalties. I, I hope not, because oh, I, I don't think please, my heart no, I don't can, think take, take, can take extra time. Or pe- penalties, I think I'd have to walk out. I don't think I could I could watch that. I'll go for 2-1 Villa not, uh, in 90 minutes. It's KG, that. We'll catch up maybe after the game. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Fulhamish. No worries, it's been a pleasure. Please, Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Thank you so much to Dan Bardell of the Villa View uh, for chatting to us and giving us an opposition lowdown ahead of Saturday. So there is going to be another podcast this week. 
Uh, and fingers crossed, it's going to be coming live from Wembley Stadium. We're in intense negotiations with uh, many various stakeholders, but we should be recording the podcasts from the home of football, the, the actual home of football. We've already had a podcast from the home of football. We had it last week. Croke Park. All right. The second <laughs> the second home of football. Um, so that should be coming out later this week. It's going to be a really good episode. We've got some ex-players on it. Uh, we're going to be speaking to some fans that are at the 1975 final. We're going to be speaking to fans that are coming over from abroad. Uh, it's just going to be a big celebration of the day out at Wembley itself. We will obviously look a bit more into the game as a whole and reflect any breaking news in terms of the team or lineup or anything like that. But it's just going to be a big celebration of Wembley. So uh, that should be dropping Wednesday night, Thursday morning, just depending on how uh, quick and difficult the edit is. Basically, how much, uh, how many mistakes Farrell makes and. And assuming that it's not very many, it will be out as quick as possible. I'm going to do many more <laughs> just yeah. to annoy you. Just so the podcast comes out on Friday. <laughs> uh, so let's answer some questions. Jack's in charge of the post bag as always. So we've got we've got quite a few. We've dealt with the lineup questions already, so I'm going to ignore them. Who was that from? Just uh, to give them their Louis. Louis asked. Although there was two, there was one from Clint McClendon and one from Louis. So they both asked about the lineup. I'm going to move on to Jake Berry's question, who's got the excellent handle at Beery Berry. Um, he is says, it "Ivan's brother." Is it? I don't know. Are you Ivan? Jake, let us know if you're Ivan's brother. It'll be very exciting. He says, do you think it's strange that training seems to be so relaxed and Slav has even let the players go on holiday? AK-47 still seems to be in France and it's five days before the final. (laughs) Slav, I'll start with you. Yeah, that is a bit bizarre. I haven't really been paying too much attention to the whereabouts, although I did see Tom Kearney at a bar in Leeds um, the other night. Wasn't it his sister's birthday? Give him a bit of a break. Yeah, no, no, no. I just, I, that, I'm not saying that it was wrong. I'm just saying that's the only kind of movements that I've noticed from the Fulham players. Look, we were absolutely knackered after the Derby game, and the players were completely spent. Uh, they needed a few days to rest and recover and be fully ready to go again. I don't, you know, I don't see the point in Slav making them work super hard for the next two weeks. Of course, that training is going to have to ramp up before Saturday. But we need to we need to preserve energy at this point. The players are fit enough to go for ninety minutes. It's just a case of not wearing them out. Yeah, look, whatever Abubakar Kamara, wherever he needs to go and whatever he needs to do to produce another performance like Monday night, I'm quite happy for him to do that. And that goes for for most of the squad, really. To be honest, you know, um, Yukanovic has clearly said to them, "We're going to have a couple of days off." And then we're going to get back to the hard work and knowing how hard he works the players, it will be exceptionally hard work. Um, and I think there's some, there's so much intensity and in fevered speculation around this game and everyone knows about the magnitude of it. It's probably not the worst thing in the world before you're getting there to focus on the opposition, to focus on how you might want to play and to take in the enormity of the fixture, to have a couple of days to just relax um, because for for a lot of these players, this will be the biggest game that they played in. I, surely, I can't think of a. This is just another question. Have any one of our players played in a bigger game? Potentially, Mitrovic, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Mitrovic has gone to the Euros, hasn't he? Champions League, you know, big big derbies and uh, but finals. I, Mitrovic, the only player maybe I could. I can't think of anyone Sess else. in the Euro under twenties. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a, it's a big yeah. game for him, you know. 
Um, Steven Sessionals played in the World Cup final and get him at right back. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I mean, I think it's probably probably fine. Yeah, if, if I'm if I'm honest. David Button um, away at Brentford. That was probably big for him. Yeah, and he did really well as well. <laughs> yeah, he had a really good game. Are you saying Cabano? Like, I was thinking, get, is there is there been a big oh yeah, a big Afcon? Yeah, there. going trying to get trying to qualify for for World Cups. Yeah, but we're, we're scratching here, aren't we? We're, we're not we're not. Speak for yourself. Steff Johansson is literally the international captain of Norway. Yeah, but I mean, when you compare it to the Villa side, I'm just saying. No, no, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure I, I would bet that also Steff Johansson's played in like six old firms. Yeah, like. And he's played at an old firm cup final at Hamden. So a derby in, like, the conference. I mean, that's nothing, really. Mm. <laughs> yeah, good one. <laughs> Anything to crack. Do. <laughs> good crack for the lads. Um, Come on, next question. Okay, I, I think it was a good question. I know. No, 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 it is a good question. Um, Tom O'Sullivan asks, will the game be drastically different to the 2-0 considering Grealish, uh, Villa have Grealish and Adoma back? Dan? Yeah, massively so. I mean, it's just orders of magnitude different. Uh, I think Villa are a better side as well, further along in their in their development. Um, Gre- I, I'm interested in how Grealish has sort of uh, revolutionised or, or been transformed into somebody who's now the fulcrum of a of a midfield. When you know he was an up and coming, promising winger, he's certainly much more influential uh, in in games um, from that from that central position. They don't pass him by anymore. Um, and you know he's been uh, a very impressive performer against, against Fulham in the past. But you know we can't look beyond the other weapons that that Aston Villa have at their at their disposal. They have a collection of forwards. You know, fortunately, they're not going to be able to to Play put all of them put them all on the pitch at the same time. Or at least if they're going to do that, we're probably going to be ahead. But they have a number of players in offensive areas who are going to cause us problems. So, yeah, Grealish is one, but, you know, I'm quite confident in the in the defensive capabilities of, say, Johansson, of Kevin McDonald, to at least be aware of, of, those, of those problems from a central position. Villa seem to have such... Um, they have an impressive sort of backbone of their team that allows those attacking players to go and do, as has been mentioned before, Yedinak has been brilliant the past few games and they've got Glenn Whelan as well. Um, and of course, um, our man Hurahan. And, you know, it, it allows the Adomas and the Grealishes to go and do their thing. And Grealish has certainly become a bit, you know, a year older and a year wiser and a, a year more impressive. And he is he is grown into it. But I still think their most potent threat is Albert Adoma. He is definitely the most consistent from what I've seen of them this season. I mean, it will be completely different, I think, to the game at Craven Cottage. It was a massive impact, the fact that Grealish and Adoma especially. Adoma's, Adoma frightens the life out of me. I think he's a brilliant winger. And I remember thinking that ever since he tore um, Ryan Fredericks, a new one, uh, when he played for Borough back in 14-15. He's a very, very good player. And I think that Villa just completely missed that outlet. Um and Grealish really does pull the strings. However, Fulham were terrific that day and barely gave Villa a sniff, although I remember Snodgrass being quite dangerous. Look, it's exactly as I said at the beginning. I just think it's so 50-50. But let's, but let's flip it for a second, Sammy. They, they, at a time when Villa weren't playing especially well, they were, they were clearly the better side at Villa Park much earlier in the season. Yeah, we were rubbish then, though. You know. um, so, look, I, I think... It's also one of those horrible footballing cliches, but 
um, most of previous fixtures and, and, and results and the lessons you learn from that goes out the window and on a, in a one-off game a lot like this one okay this one's from ollie nichols and it's a personnel question which i know always engages debate he says if ak starts is it worth even having piazon on the bench especially considering niskins would almost certainly be more effective as an impact sub sammy james i'll start with you i think that we know that niskins works best as an impact sub in this system i would like to see him given chances from the start but that just isn't going to happen under slavisa i think if we're behind to villa at any points on saturday which i think would be a bit of a disaster i just as dan mentioned in that interview you know to not concede many goals as they do i think if we do find ourselves behind i think it's a massive uphill struggle but niskins is the obvious option off the bench he can change the game uh when he comes on although i just wish that slav had maybe given him a few more chances in the past five to ten weeks because his match sharpness is just not going to be there and it could be had Slavisa just given him a few opportunities off the bench you know even if we were comfortably winning you know some of the games that we have been winning when we're 2-0 up against Leeds and it never looked like we were going to throw away the game put on Niskins Cabano keep him fresh use your squad and if he comes on at Wembley he's barely played for three months and I just don't know how much of a game changer he'll be if he does come on which I'm not saying that Cabana hasn't got the talent it's just that he hasn't been utilised and it's hard to come straight into a playoff final and make an impact when you've had no practice I I think it's slightly harsh on Lucas Piazon Um, there have been moments this season and last season where Lucas Piazon was good coming off the bench lest not we forget the the playoff semi-final second leg he came on and it changed the game in our favour. Unfortunately, it didn't, the result didn't go away, but you know we started to actually find those pockets. And... Lucas is a bit better if the game, I think, is even. If we tr- if we then need to open up a r- resilient Aston Villa defence, mm. he unlocks a bit better than Niskins does. Niskins is just like... Pure trickery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after... Also, it would be such a curveball if he decides to just you know start playing like... Uh, Cabano and dropping Piazon completely from the squad uh, you know oh. it might be a surprise that he does Slavisa tends to really like Ojo I think it's more likely that Ojo would be on the bench instead I feel like Piazon's um, paid a penalty for just running out of steam a little bit um, over the last couple of weeks you know he doesn't have the benefit of blistering pace we all know that but what does Piazon give you he's got immense technical ability he's not um He's no, he doesn't shirk tackles uh, physically. And I echo Farrell's point, he's a big game player. You look at some big goals that he scored over those two, two loan spells. You know, he's obviously, he'll forever be a hero for scoring that goal at, at Reading. Um, but I look back at the time that he established himself in, in the Fulham side. You know, he scored a really good goal against Brighton when they, when they were flying and he'd just come, come off the bench. It's not. All that long, though, you have to look for Piazza making a real impact as a substitute. Absolutely. And, you know, our, our, our recent run, our recent good run came about largely because it coincided with him coming back into the side and he did break down a fairly stubborn Nottingham Forest yeah. uh, defence at, at Craven Cottage previously. So, you know, I feel like he gives you an option. And the other thing about Piazza is he could play in any one of those three positions behind... Uh, behind the striker 
Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I have not really much more to add on that. I think Piazon's an excellent player, and uh, I think that he will feature at some point during this playoff final. Um, this one's from Josh at Josh Cobb. He says, are you concerned that there could be a lot of Villa fans in the Fulham end? That's not you, Farrell. <laughs> no. I don't think so. I mean, there's been a couple of there's been a couple of tweets here and there saying, "Oh, this Villa fan's got some tickets and and this and that," but it's going to be completely outnumbered by the you know the thirty, you know the ninety nine point nine percent of uh, did that calculation for you. Sam, oh, very nice. Um, of Fulham fans that are there, and it might be so few and far between. And I mean, I wouldn't be concerned about thousands of of, of Villa fans. This isn't an FC Kern versus Arsenal situation at the Emirates. This isn't a um, well, a Krakow you know, versus, uh, versus Fulham that time. I went to back in the day Doncaster versus Leeds United, the playoff. Which you're mad, <laughs> <laughs> you're insane. I thought I, I was not going. Honestly, I thought I was not going to a Darlington game. Tell me more immediately. <laughs> uh, so my family are Doncaster Rovers fans that, that that live up near there, and they got me a ticket to that playoff final. And Doncaster brought the, like such few fans. It was the League One playoff final. You know, they brought like. <laughs> 16,000 or something like that um, but it's Leeds and they brought like thousands and sold out their allocation so much that they just had pockets of the Doncaster end and there was like segregation in the Doncaster bit of just like there would be like 100 Leeds fans here and then Elida Stewards like circling them it was the weirdest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen I've, I've seen I've seen a couple of bits on Twitter recently uh, this afternoon about um, people asking Villa to say if you've got any spare tickets for Fulham fans, please please give them up because we it's likely that some some Fulham fans will miss out. It's actually that way around if if any. When we're so massive, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's massive club. Well, so we just as 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 the podcast has been recorded, um, Farrell just showed me a few minutes ago. We have actually sold out. Is that the case? Yeah, that's the come straight from the club. The official sources in the last few minutes they've Fulham have sold out their allocation for Wembley which is just absolutely staggering amazing work amazing work there's a lot of like random people on Twitter being like I've got 10 tickets in the Fulham end but honestly like it just I just don't think it'll be fun like imagine how like rubbish it'd be like if you cheered and then you got kicked out 10 minutes into the playoff final you'd be like well that was a complete waste of time wasn't it like it's bizarre either you have to sit on your hands and not enjoy yourself and not be able to support your team if you want to make the end of the game or you, ha- or you, you know, risk being thrown out immediately halfway through a game, which neither of which are enjoyable options. Yeah. Like, in, in a game of this magnitude, none of these. Like, imagine being in the Villa and not being able to support Fulham. It'd be an absolute nightmare. Considering there are tickets still available in the Villa end, it's just it's it it stinks of hot air for me. Like it just. Stinks I, I, of stuff I that think trying... that it's not going to be an issue. Yeah. Uh, I really do. It, you know, there might be. There might be Villa fans here and there in the Fulham end. It's a possibility, right? We can't rule it out. I know them. I know of. It's uh, not going to be an impact, though. Even if there is like one sat next to you, that they're not probably going to make much of a noise. And it's just, it's just not going to be a problem. There's thirty-eight thousand Fulham fans. There might be like. Well, also they have quite a conspicuous accent. It's not going to be difficult to to find out that the bloke sitting next to you is from Solihull, and he might not, you know, might not be cheering for your side. Yeah, it just seems very bizarre. But, you know, if they want to do that, then you know, they can do that. That's fine. Like, it's up to them, I suppose. Um, that's good. I think we, we, we've all but all but run out of, of, of questions. Good questions. We um, Yeah, they were good questions. Uh, Nathan Vince wants to know, can we bring our clappers? Highly encouraged, Nathan. You can use it to bash the Villa fan next to you. <laughs> <laughs> he would love that. Can you imagine the headlines? That would really rile up the Brummies. Yeah. 
Villa fan attacked with clapper. Honestly, I Suffers hate. I hate the clappers. You can imagine. Like, I hate the clappers forever, but now, now that they wind up opposition fans no. so much, they've almost become my favourite thing. I'm going to bring one. I'm going to bring one with me. Yeah, <laughs> personally, I mean, maybe. Thing is, I might get a personal. Maybe clapper. for next season, what you can design Fulhamish clappers. Yeah. Yeah. What clapper will you bring clappers. though? It's just such a hard. I've got choice. my Wolfsburg clapper still. Oh really? Yeah. That's oh, vintage one. clapper. Yeah. I like. I might bring one. an old That's school clapper. One. Like you know, people wear retro shirts. I've got a retro clapper. Can you imagine like they in years to come? We actually, you, can you imagine in years to come we, they start selling half and half clappers? Yeah, that's even madness. Oh. I hope I imagine someone... telling your grandchildren that, you know, eventually, th- this is a famous thing of mine. It's my Wolfsburg clapper. Yeah, it's my, <laughs> it's my Juventus clapper. Oh. Like, I've, got, I've got a collection of good old school clappers. <laughs> I'm going to bring my rattle. Yeah, and my rose. You're not allowed to bring your rattles. Are you not? No. Oh. Someone says, FFC Dom says, how many flags are we taking? I imagine pretty much everyone who's owned a flag will is bring he, their flag. Is the Collins flag coming? The Collins flag is fully making an appearance, yes. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. I'll where will you t- where will you hang it though from if you're in lower tier? I'm probably the back of the stand, I imagine. Okay. I'm not very I'm about four rows from the back of one one three. We one three? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm about four rows from the back, so I'll probably stick it up behind me. Oh, well, what a day it's gonna be. Fulham have sold out Wembley. I'll say yeah, it again. Massive Fulham have sold club. out Wembley. It's absolutely mad. Under five days to go. I'm sure you're all feeling the excitement as well. Uh Fulhamish though will be at Wembley much sooner than that. With a bit of luck. Yeah, fingers crossed, eh? Because <laughs> um, our next podcast should be out either Wednesday night, Thursday morning, where we'll be uh, doing even more previews to the big game on Saturday. So make sure you're all subscribed and that you download that podcast when it hits your phone. So we just need to name today's podcast. JJWC, what are you thinking? Oh, I actually haven't got a name. This is exciting. Civil uh, War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fulham-esque. Um, <laughs> um, well, Can we just call it Massive Club? Yeah, I think we just call it Massive Club. Yeah, I think you're right. Good. I like it. Okay, Massive Club is... I think that's the first time... sold out. That's the first time I've ever chosen the name for a pod. Really? Yeah. You yeah. don't take Secretary of the Duties on very often, to be fair. No. Well, I don't ever do it, do I? No. Also, uh, talking of Massive Club, Massive Pod, we've sold out the old Suffolk Punch. Yeah, we actually are a yeah. Massive Pod. Mez K in Pod. <laughs> um, so... Anyone that's coming down to the old Suffolk Punch on Saturday before the game, we're going to be... Doing a live question and answer session for all our fans. Are we? No. <laughs> <laughs> I might I was do. like, that's news to us. Depends how many pints we've had by two o'clock. It's very niche to be using the podcast to advertise what you should be doing. But if we've... you've got a ticket, get there between 10am and 12 Ideally, get there considerably for, before midday. Um, but we've got the pub to ourselves uh, in that period. And... There's going to be uh, food available. In fact, it's kind of a condition of coming that you really do need to buy a breakfast roll. Otherwise, I'm really out of pocket. Yeah, we're going to be serious out of pocket. Buy some rolls. Yeah, please bring £2.50. I will Uh, eat all of them. Yeah, Uh, You just have to pay for them. Yeah, you just have to pay for them. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah bring some money have a breakfast roll um, have a load of pints then we'll be heading up to Wembley maybe via Baker Street as well we haven't organised the day too much but if you are coming to the old Suffolk Punch uh, we really look forward to seeing you there it's going to be a good one and the guys at the OSP have really gone out on a limb uh, to put on this event for us so thank you so much to the people at the old Suffolk Punch it's a newly refurbed and if you're not coming to the event make sure you check it out in the future because uh, they've been they've been wonderful to us it's a pub yeah I'm very very excited for the event so it's Farrell Monk thank you very much thank you Jack Collins thank you very much see you at Wembley and you know what it is always lovely to have Dan on the pod it doesn't happen too often 
it's always like, a pleasure. It's like a full moon. It just, you know, occasionally it just comes round and it's always great. So thank you, Dan. Your check's in the post, Sammy. Thank you. Although I'm not a big fan of how much blue you're wearing today. You didn't have to disclose that. Yeah, Every- that, was, that was quiet. Comes from the man in claret. Oh, claret and blue over there. Yeah, look. What, and I'm in white. I'm the only one in white. You're, I'm in all black. You've got a claret jacket. That's not my jacket. Isn't it? Who's it? Oh, it's Jacks. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm in I, all... am, I am the Fulham white wall here. I'm in, I'm in all black. <laughs> I'm going to be wearing black. <laughs> this is the thing. <laughs> Everyone else wear white, and then you, I'll stand out like an absolute sore thumb. Great fun. Yeah, with your island flag. It's not like I don't stand out already, I suppose. Yeah. The pale white Irish kid wearing all black. And shouting out ish at the top of his voice. Mon- up the ish. That's what I say. Come on, you white. Mezke and Pod. Right, thank you for joining us today. We'll see you later on in the week. Come on, you whites. You white. Wembley. White. Mezke and Pod.